Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment, and running the boards is Joey Dees. Hey. Hi. On today's show, we will talk about Peacemaker on HBO Max. We'll get a little bit more information about the Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings uh, prequel thing that's going down. And of course, the geek sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. More? Or just search BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app to find us. Yeah, plenty of ways <laughs> to find us and check us out. So, uh, yeah, have a good time doing that. And, you know, leave us some feedback and uh, talk with us or at least interact on our social media. Vicky uh, puts out uh, a lot of posts. I like um, uh, I like a good combo of what's in the news and like you know big information like here's a new trailer here's some rumors about a movie or a show and also memes. Yes, a lot of stuff that uh, can uh, help you get your fix, especially if you're just uh, scrolling through all that it's, stuff. It's a little tricky because sometimes I just want to post all Marvel stuff, so I have to like check myself and post stuff that <laughs> I may not know too much about. So if there's something that you're like, hey, I would like to know more about this or more up to date. Let me know. Yeah, do a lot of that stuff. <laughs> uh, one of the things I wanted to get into right away was the uh, the fact that the Lord of the Rings is 100% doing a prequel series. Um, you know, there have been six very long movies. Um, the first what? three of The Hobbits. Well, I mean, the first ones were The Lord of the Rings, and then they got The Hobbits. But, uh, you know, going by the time that they're supposed to be, The Hobbits are supposed to be first. So you can watch all of those, which was weird because it was one book that turned into three long, kind of excessive movies. I mean, we got Benedict Cumberbatch's Smaug, the dragon, and had some really cool, fun things with it. Uh, but I don't know if it necessarily needed to be three long movies. It mm. definitely did not. We did not need an elf dwarf love story to extend the <laughs> second movie into a third movie. And then, of course, the Lord of the Rings movies. And you're like, well, then what else is there going to be covering? Well... The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, is the upcoming Amazon series, and one of the producers did give some details about it. They say, quote, The Rings of Power unites all the major stories of Middle-Earth's Second Age, the forging of the rings, the rise of the Dark Lord Sauron, the epic tale of Numenor, and the last alliance of elves and men. And until now, the audience has only seen on screen the story of the One Ring, but before there was one, there were many, and we're excited to share the epic story of them all. So, it'll get back into the forging of all the rings, which was covered in the in, in just kind of like a, uh, I don't want to call it a montage, but kind of just like a catch-you-up little bit of a story like there, talked about all of those. The elves, the dwarves, the humans, they all got rings, but... Yeah, uh, they all got rings, and then it only ended up being one left over because, well... It's a pretty powerful ring, though. Yeah. Um, the first season, the first season is going to cost $465 million to produce, making it the most expensive series ever, and it will be coming to Prime Video in September. How many episodes are we getting from that? I think something like eight. Eight, eight yeah. episodes. That's so, what? That's 40, math. 42, 43 million? Eight, 40, yeah, yeah. Cut the, yeah. yeah 45. Yeah, yeah it's going to be something like, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a lot per episode. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And supposedly what I've also looked at is that 
they have already greenlit or talked about when they did the rights thing for five seasons. And if you wow. go to IMDb, as of right now, I mean, everything's empty because we don't know anything about any of the episodes, but they already have a season two, episode one already there. So they know it's going to come. We just don't know when. And I mean, they could bomb and they could just be like, no, we're not doing any more of these. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But and it's, They have high hopes. I also find it very interesting, the fact that they're go they're still moving forward with this and obviously like Amazon's gigantic worldwide company that's I think it's like literally probably the biggest company ever in the world right now and you can do a whole bunch of different things but it's interesting to me to see that they're going to be doing this Lord of the Rings and doing the Lord of the Rings universe while they still have the wheel of time going on like they've already approved it for a second season and they've I think they've been shooting right now and uh, I love the first season, and that is not a small amount of books to get through. There are 14 books in the series, not including prequels and short stories and stuff. And this first book really only, or the first series kind of mixed in the first three books into a thing, but there's still a lot to get through. And so I I hope that something like The Lord of the Rings, you know, personally for myself, doesn't overshadow what they're doing with the Wheel of Time and somehow like curtail them from telling the full story, especially with the amount of money that Amazon has. They need to just be able to put this out. Like I'm really hoping that they go all the way with the Wheel of Time and then also yes at that point with The Lord of the Rings too. I I have a theory. Well, I feel like for a while, especially in like when Lord of the Rings first came out in what the 2000s, mm-hmm. For many, many years, people were really into the whole fantasy vibes. Yeah. Especially like the old school fantasy vibes. And I think Game of Thrones did a really good job just kind of reviving that, you know, love. I mean, we've had a lot of other shows and stuff in between then. Like, you know, we got uh, the Shannara Chronicles and stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like once Game of Thrones had its not so great ending. And people have pretty much forgotten about it. It used to oh, be... Oh, it just fell off. Like, even just like a bad. merchandise and stuff. Everything. Just nobody wanted anymore any d- to deal with anything. And that's how I got my tank top on sale. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like I'd be a little worried because one of two things can happen, especially with like the Wheel of Time series. And then we're also going to be getting a Game of Thrones prequel. Either they're going to go full, you know, balls to the walls on all these fantasy shows and people might just be tired of it. Yeah. I worry that that might be a thing that's like just fatigue and it's either going to make a comeback or they're going to lose a crap ton of money, like all of them. And I have to kind of agree on the certain, certain term of having kind of that burnout, too, because like the argument could be like, well, look at all the, you know, all the superhero movies that, uh, you know, people are still going to see. Like, seriously, like Spider-Man No Way Home is like the fourth highest grossing mm-hmm. movie ever. I, but I don't. A few, that needs an asterisk, like a little. Oh, because like uh, inflation it, I, and stuff. Well, not even that. I feel like the pandemic had a big thing to do with it. Like, yeah. had we all been able to be going to theaters all the time and not have to worry about it? I feel like, I mean, it would have still made a lot of money, but would it have made that much money? Yeah, and then even at that point, like I was kind of gonna like draw comparisons on that, but this is now a TV series. Like both of these are TV series, so people are gonna be more willing to stay at home and watch it. So that might be able to keep that burnout. And my whole point on that was was just the fact that it'd be like, well, even though we say that people might get burned out on superhero movies, they're still going to see stuff like Spider Man. Uh, maybe not so much other comic book type mm-hmm. movies, um, but, you know, maybe that's how they're going to get, uh, you know, they'll just I, keep it going. It's just the fact that people just want to stay at home and watch whatever. I feel like eventually the superhero genre is going to be like a very big umbrella. 
kind of like a comedy has like a big umbrella. You have your romantic comedies. You got, you know, your dumb like jackass type comedies. Like there's a lot of different things that can fall under that category. And I feel like Thor is the greatest example of it because they did the superhero movies, the, uh, your Thor 1, Thor 2, you got your Avengers. And they realized that that does not work. You can't continue to make stuff like that. So when they did Ragnarok, they completely cha- not they changed their formula. They kept... Mm-hmm. Thor, like Thor in his essence, but they brought out more of his fun side. Like, honestly, he is a teenager. He's like, according to God, years and stuff like that, about young adult-ish. So he's going to be a freaking goofball. (laughs) And I really appreciate that. And I feel like with these movies, you can't just make the same old superhero movies over and over again. And even we see this with the TV shows. They've done a really good job. Like WandaVision, uh, you know, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. All these shows are so different from each other that they're keeping our attention. And people are invested in the MCU mm-hmm. because you look at something like uh, Jupiter's Legacy, which I failed try- spectacularly. <laughs> I watched the whole first I season. did too. And it's it's rough. It's like rough at best. Like, And so this that was going to set up the whole Millerverse because Mark Millar is the one who created all of that. And he was going to do so many things with that. And we're going to see so many offshoots. And then this first season just decimated it. So it might not even be like superhero investment. Like I Mm -hmm. said, it might just be Marvel investment. Yeah, I actually think this series might be the one series that can't fail. Like, I think that the the fan base, similar to that of, like, a Blade, is just too big. Like, there's just this whole niche category of people Mm -hmm. that just love Lord of the Rings that they're going to watch it anyways. Wheel of Time, you could have convinced me, could have gone down that 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 road, though, Vicky, of like burnout because it's not you know if yeah. you didn't read the books, it's not one of those well known series. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was a whole sex craze with Legolas and all that elf <laughs> stuff. Like, there's... I was I was a teenager when those movies came out. I remember. So, <laughs> so I think if as long as they don't you know veer too far off from what they already have, they should be fine. Similar to what Star Wars did. Star- like those last movies sucked, but those they were still wildly successful. Absolutely, you know? so. and yeah, like I'm not going to disagree with like I did not like even though I do I did enjoy the Last Jedi. All all three of the movies were rough. Like it just it it didn't pull me in. And I'm sure for some people it was that thing, that linchpin that was able to get them into a galaxy far, far away. But those were not it it for me. It was tricky, though, too. I think a lot of it had to do with Carrie Fisher's unfortunate the timing of her death. Absolutely. With the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, just messed everything up for the last two movies. Uh, That being said, like uh, there was a lot. It's funny how uh, Solo, everyone was crapping on it. And now everyone's like, wait, we loved it. And they're wanting the sequel. But because everyone crapped on it. Yeah. It's not happening. Not happening, but I feel like John Favreau just needs to be in charge of everything from now on. (laughs) Quite possibly. Like, just he he does, he he has the might as his touch. Like, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on from that, I did want to talk about Peacemaker. It's available on HBO Max. Um, Right now, as of this recording, I believe there are four or five episodes out. uh, Probably four at this point on time. Um, And the first three dropped right away. And I've managed to watch the first episode. Uh, Joe? Yes, I've watched the first one as well. Okay, so we're, we're on the same page with that. So we're a little behind the times with everything. But we wanted to get kind of a rundown for people who may not uh, understand mm-hmm. or may not have known what Peacemaker was or is. And so it's a, it's, it starts John Cena as, as Peacemaker. And, uh, the Can prim- you see him? Yes, 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 you can see him. So far, he hasn't made that joke yet. We'll have to see if that happens. Um, But the premise is, after recovering from the injuries he suffered during the events of The Suicide Squad, which was the 2021 James Gunn movie. The good one. Yeah, the good one, yes. Christopher Smith slash Peacemaker 
is forced to join the mysterious Argus Black Ops Squad Project Butterfly, who are on a mission to identify and eliminate parasitic butterfly-like creatures in human form around the United States mm. and the world. First okay. season doesn't get too deep into that. It's really just kind of introducing you to the characters, as any pilot really would. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, John Cena literally somehow took his wrestling role and just made a TV show out of it, is what it seems like to me. <laughs> yes. not, not in a bad way. Like, no, it, yeah. In a good way. And it reminds me uh, of uh, Captain uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know the Captain America goes bad kind of a thing, right? Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He's a John, good guy. Uh, yeah, Johnny Walker. Yeah. yeah, it's like that's the same character that Peacemaker plays, except that he's one hundred percent Chris Evan Goody Two Shoes and doesn't realize he's the bad guy. And it's this weird thing where it's like I want peace and I will kill any man, woman, or child that gets in my way to get to it. And that's literally the premise of the character. Even oh like gosh. James Gunn described Peacemaker as a piece of s and a superhero slash supervillain slash the world's biggest douche. Bag. Gunn did not want the series to remove Peacemaker's worst qualities, but it is attempting to explain some of them by exploring Peacemaker's relationship with his father. And uh, after Peacemaker killed Rick Flagg in the Suicide Squad, Flagg's final words were, Peacemaker, what a joke. And they do have a big impact with him on the series, which we see literally when they do the recap, because if you hadn't seen Suicide Squad, uh, first off, if you uh, if you know anything about James Gunn, he does not shy away from blood and gore and <laughs> some really really funny moments that are also like, why am I laughing at this? This is horrifying. I'm going to hell. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they do give a, a lead up and kind of even like it's so funny because instead of like previously on whatever you know on uh, Peacemaker, it's previously on the Suicide Squad, and then it runs down his character as it is in the movie and kind of sets up where he is and where he is at this point. Uh, the next character on this is uh, an actress named Danielle Brooks, is Leota Adebayo, and she is a, a member of Project Butterfly. She's the newbie, and uh, she is actually kind of the co-lead on this, and she really starts to befriend uh, Peacemaker right away because uh, all the other team, all the other the Black Ops team, hate, hate hate Peacemaker. They hate the fact that he is going to be... Uh, they're the ones that have to deal with him, that they got in trouble because, well, spoiler alert, they uh, made sure that uh, the Suicide Squad didn't get killed by Amanda Waller, who runs the whole thing by smashing her in the back of the head and taking her out when she was going to flick the uh, switch to explode the bombs that have been implanted in their brains. And Peacemaker was the guy essentially trying to stop the good bad guys from getting all the data and spraying mm -hmm. around the world. So they're all now having to work with Peacemaker as almost like an ironic joke. Of yeah. Being like, so like, now we have great. to protect you, I guess. Cool. Yeah. And to add another little uh, 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 wrinkle into this thing, um, this character, uh, Leota, is the daughter of Amanda Waller. Uh, so, yeah, so it's getting into this thing where she's been inserted into this group as the FNG, but she's been doing this for a while, and she's just like, yeah, I'm the new person here, and I'm going to keep tabs on all y'all. And if Danielle Brooks sounds familiar, you may recognize her as Tasty from Orange is the New Black. Yes, yes, and she's a great actress. Oh, yeah, she is. She's super good with it all. Um, we've got uh, uh, Freddie Stroma as Adrian Chase slash Vigilante, whom in the first episode we've only seen in voice as a series of uh, very uh, thirsty voicemails left for uh, Peacemaker while he was stuck in prison. Mm. Uh, we also have um, 
uh, Chukwudi Uwuji as Clemson Mern, who is a mercenary and leader of Project Butterfly. Um, very menacing at this point in time, but other than just being the leader, uh, we haven't gotten a whole lot about him yet. Uh, also, uh, Jennifer Holland as Amelia Harcourt, which... I believe we saw her, didn't we, in yeah. the Suicide Squad? Yes, absolutely. And... <laughs> It, she's like one of those characters who is just kind of like the hard ass sort of thing. Like she doesn't want to be there. She knows she's there because basically she's being punished and she's kind of uh, being kind of a D about it all. Um, but then also at the same point in time, she's a very accomplished martial artist. And at one point she's at a bar and she's just like, I just want to have a beer. And she's being uh, accosted by three rednecks. And then, of course, Peacemaker comes in and is like, I got to release some stress. Let's just bang. And she's just like, I just want to drink a beer. Just leave me alone. So I feel felt really bad for her being stuck in all those situations. And then he gets through. You know, do something else with a uh, robot, sort of. Yeah, something. Yes. Maybe it's something? a. Maybe it's a. Yeah. Ant, I don't know. Like vampire. Like, my <laughs> wife called it. Called him a fembot. Yeah, there you and, go. And and from like Austin Powers, and I'm like, yeah, but kind of bestial. Like it reminded me a lot of uh, Wonder Woman '84 and uh, was it Kristen Wiig's Cheetah. Uh, yeah. Cheetah. So it kind of like so there's a bestial aspect of it, but the way he takes care of that villain. Um, again, when you're laughing at something that's truly horrifying, it's James Gunn's way to kind of uh, put some levity to the situation. John Cena is like naked through half this episode too. Which yeah, is- just just like tidy whities are just banging a chick. Like this is not for children. No. Like not in the slightest. This is like hard R. Like this is something that you probably like if your kid's like 16 and older and like pretty good with this sort of thing. They could watch maybe? it, but probably not with you in the room. You don't want to be in that room. Yeah, exactly. That would just make it awkward. Um, Steve G as John Economos, which um, Steve is. He's a hilarious guy. He's been in a bunch of different James Gunn projects. He's a great comedian. He's a funny guy, and he's basically the big bearded nerd. And so he's he's super funny. He's comic book guy. Worst headquarters ever <laughs> good call yeah yeah he does say that in there and then rounding out the main cast is robert patrick nice as august augie smith um who is <laughs> peacemaker's racist father hmm. who also supplies him with technology to aid him in his mission and even james gunn says that augie was a worse person than peacemaker and a lost cause and somebody and the one of the executive producers described him as Archie Bunker on steroids. <laughs> and he is a terrible, terrible, terrible character. Like Robert Patrick, who you may remember as the T one thousand back in the day. Um, he also replaced Mulder on uh, X Files. I remember oh, that did. as a kid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good call on that. <laughs> he plays the character really well, but I absolutely hundred percent hate the character with all my heart and soul. Yeah, I was wondering why he was even in the show, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's got some sort of like extra dimensional or whatever you call it fourth dimension storage closet full of really cool things so <laughs> right is peacemaker because you you kind of get confused because he's got those giant muscles is he super like really strong because he's got giant muscles or is he also have superpowers um well at this point in time from just the first episode it doesn't seem that he has superpowers okay he's just a really strong dude who Buff. 
who has his father who creates all of this stuff and has all this crazy technology and designs helmets. So the helmet is the source of power Uh. for him, not granting him power, but having powers. And each one is kind of like a different sort of like utility belt Batman thing. It'll do a thing like Captain Planet Ring. (laughs) Yeah. There's a bonus scene at the end of the uh, of the first episode. I'm not even going to tell you about it, Um, but it gives one of the powers, one of the lesser um, 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 great powers that the helmets can provide, but they do Mm. all sorts of things. So, yeah, uh, it really it comes into play in the first episode and it shows it off. Lots of questions are going down. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on, um, but I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, and Eagly steals the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got a mascot named Eagly, which is an eagle, yeah. which I also loved when they started roasting him about it. He's like, do you got a dog named Doggy, too? <laughs> or a daughter named Daughtery? Yeah. Like, it was, like, the show has really good writing. You will laugh out loud, and there are times where you'll be gas, you'll gasp, and you'll be like, what the hell am I watching? And which like is, I said, it's, it's the mark of a James Gunn yeah, project. Things that you'll know about a James Gunn project. It'll be gory, it'll be funny and somebody will have parent issues <laughs> yes all of his things have parent issues in them just look at guardians of the galaxy 2 i can't watch that movie more than twice and uh yeah uh you'll definitely have to uh, check that out as well like i said up to at least four episodes are out right now so you can get your binge on i'm definitely going to keep on watching it uh joe how do you feel about it man yeah i mean it's one of those perfect dumb shows you know it's yeah. not taking itself too seriously but like you said it has good writing and great you know scripts uh, or scripts uh, scenes as well as costumes and John Cena is killing it like I mean he's just going to be the next rock and it's yeah absolutely and it's like that point like when you're watching him I feel bad because there's going to be people just like with like a wrestling persona that feel that this is him in real life and they're just going to give him the finger like out in public and he's like what he's like I hate you peacemaker it's like I'm John I'm John Cena guys like no it makes it feel better Uh, I think John Cena got into the Guinness Book of World Records for the most Make a Wish, uh, yeah. Like, like what are they <laughs> he's called? He's a really good guy. <laughs> he 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 does a lot of Make a Wish wishes for kids, and he's done like thousands. Wow. Like he'll meet sick kids, like, and he has. Yeah, so he's not a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah. So, uh, don't give him any crap, but do check out the show. <laughs> Moving on from that, it is now time for the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Hey, Vicky, what's going on? So I'm a little upset. Oh, oh. <gasps> What is one thing pretty much every Marvel character has done or is allowed to or somehow finds a way to do after they're done filming? Like every actor of a character. Uh, Steal a bit of the costume to go have some fun with. Yes. And usually they do it for good. Yeah. That was one of the things that Chris Pratt said he wanted to do. He wanted to take his Star-Lord costume so he could go to children's hospitals and dress up as Star-Lord for the kids. And I've seen pictures of Tom Holland go to hospitals. I don't know if he necessarily stole it, but I feel like he would be the person to steal it. (laughs) Like Iron Man, like. You know he Robert Downey Jr. has stolen his fair share of pieces throughout Absolutely, all of those movies. Yeah, and even uh, was it? Uh, I think it was Ryan Reynolds said like when after the first Deadpool movie, he just like walked off set on the last day, and they're like, "You forgot to take off your costumes." Like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't. And just drives off. <laughs> but there was one actor who had security prevent him from stealing a piece of the costume. What? It was Simu Simu Liu. I think I believe that is the Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi. They prevented him from stealing a piece of the costume. I hope he was trying to take the Ten Rings. <laughs> You're not going to get away with that. <laughs> like, sir, no, come on. 
Uh, it was actually, uh, so for a few moments late in the film, Shang-Chi wore a coveted pair of Air Jordans that Liu wanted to keep, but was thwarted by on-set security. Said it's super, super rare. Like, those are the Air Jordans, like, I think, for Georgetown is oh, what he was saying. Which wow. apparently brief, like, appear briefly at the end of the film and are offered by some online traders for nearly $10,000. It's like, I beg production to just let me keep the shoes afterwards. They're like, no freaking way in hell, yeah, man. there's not a chance, man. Uh, he's like, don't you dare take that. Like, uh, like, come on. He's getting, like, can I just give you the money and I'll, can I keep these? Like, that, I think that'd be fair, right? Right, just take it out of whatever you're going to pay me and I think we'll be fine. He's, he says, I, I thought those were great. I wish they got a little bit more screen time and I hope that... Uh, It'll be representative for all the sneakerheads out there. Like, Shung will be, you know, <laughs> well, the sneakerhead. I think that guy. was intentional product placement then, because I assume that the big, you know, you don't get your hands on those randomly, right? Like, those are $10,000 sneakers. It's not like mm-hmm. they were like, hey, guys, I have an idea. I have this pair of shoes in the closet that's worth 10 grand. You want to put them on, you know, the Shang-Chi actor or whatever for But the at that scene? point, they're so hard to get. Like, why would they use those? I mean,. I know, like, when he said sneakerheads out there, have you guys seen any videos, whether it's, like, a TikTok short, Facebook short, or even, I think there's a documentary out there, of people who collect sneakers? I remember the uh, the Jeff Goldblum Disney Plus yes. show had a whole thing about uh, sneakerheads. So that's mm-hmm. that's really my only experience with it. But, yeah, people go in super deep with that. It's just, like, people with Funkos or comic books or video games or any kind of memorabilia. Like, you'll see these people. They'll sometimes have small apartments or in their house. They'll have just boxes upon boxes, like, on display, like, like clear boxes, mm-hmm. but they protect those shoes at all cost, which is hilarious because especially the old shoes. Okay, you guys are gonna make fun of me. One of the things I've been really obsessed with lately is watching videos of restoration of anything. So there's this one guy I've been watching who restores like old video game consoles, but he also restores like here's an antique lantern that I'm gonna take all the rust off and restore it to how it, its former glory. And one of somebody else I watched restored a pair of like old school like Air Jordan shoes from like the 80s and a lot of that material just kind of crumbles away just through time. Yeah, yeah. Because the glue or the whatever the plastic or rubber is made out of it literally just turns to crumbles. Yeah, that's so, not good. I'm no, just, it's not great if you go in there like, "Oh, I'm going to have these for X amount of years, go back and you just have literally it's like Thanos dusted your shoes." Yes. So, I mean, it doesn't work the same like if you protect your you can protect your Pokémon cards, your comic books all you want. It's not going to work the same for sneakers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that'd be kind of cool if they turn him into, like, that being part of his, like, thing. Kind of like Robert Downey Jr. was always eating on set. Yeah. Like, I just love my sneakers. I got to keep them clean, even and though he, he's kicking people's faces. And he is a sneakerhead. And apparently the the whole sneaker thing is canon to the comic book version. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. Makes yeah. A I, just, lot I did a quick look up on that. And as well, it was like, yeah, the costume designer, because even uh, Simu Liu was like, why is he wearing, you know, tennis shoes? And was he, he was like, am I the first superhero to wear tennis shoes? Which, no, it was uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's okay. Quicksilver that did, which is kind of funny, too. Huh. Like, how can those shoes handle the, the speed? But, uh, yeah, no, it was comic accurate. He would wear tennis shoes. So, okay. so, I mean, at least at that point, there is an absolute reason. I had to look up why he was like, why is he wearing tennis shoes? But, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool then, because I mean, those are—I mean, everyone knows about Jordans, but ten thousand dollar version of those shoes—I mean, they did not skimp on the budget apparently on that. I mean, that's only <laughs> what like another ten bucks more than how they normally cost. I mean, right. and, it just, and if you think about it too, in like the terms of like how much and how many millions of dollars that movies cost, they're like, 
can we can we sneak these in? He <laughs> sneak. But <laughs> it was like, yeah, sure, why not? Whatever. It'll look cool. And I think it's like one of those things. Like, Simu Liu is a sneakerhead in real life, too. So I felt that maybe he had a little sway. That's, Who knows? That's kind of why I honestly wish we got a little bit more Michael B. Jordan in uh, the MCU. Uh, for, unfortunately, you know, spoiler alert, we do not get him anymore. <laughs> Except in the What Ifs. He did appear yeah. in What If. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did bring the whole Gundam thing. Because apparently in real life, Michael B. Jordan is like loves anime. So the fact that he went in the episode talks about Gundams and designing it to look like a Gundam. He's like, what? I like Gundams. And I'm just like, oh, you dork. I love it. (laughs) Uh, I did want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about something that I haven't talked about in a while. Okay. And it's a TV show on Netflix. Now, I... I believe how it started, there was like the, a little short they made like for theaters and maybe for other other avenues as well. And it was called Raisin Dion. It was a short about a mother and her son and her son has superpowers and she videotapes like it all looks kind of like her home videos okay. of her trying to raise her son who has all these different superpowers. And she's kind of has like this whole voiceover of how it is dealing with it and how is she going to do it and what people are going to think and this and that. And Michael B. Jordan, funny enough came in and produced a series on Netflix back in 2019. I thought I remembered this. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought we, like, had either mentioned it, uh, and I don't know if you had seen it or anything, but I thought it was, like, Mm -hmm. an old geek sheet that you brought this up on. Yes, and there is a comic book of Raising Dion as well. Mm -hmm. And I did end up seeing the first season when it came out because I was like, okay, I'm interested. I remember watching the the bits and pieces. Uh, in the theaters, and now this was the actual show they came out with, with Michael B. Jordan also starring in it. And I believe, did he also? No, he didn't write in it, but he did. I think he was one of the producers, like I said. Uh, but it's a whittled, whittled, widowed <laughs> single mom discovers that her son has superpowers and tries to figure out how to raise him safely and responsibly. And in the first season, I kind of like. I kind of don't know if you guys are going to watch it or if anybody hadn't heard of this and wants to watch it. I don't want to spoil anything for for you, but... All of a sudden, his kid has superpowers and a lot of them, and they're trying to figure out where did this come from? Yeah. And it turns out that his deceased father may have known something about it. And so the dad being Michael B. Jordan oh. is the, the, the character's dad. And okay. so they kind of go through this journey trying to figure out why he's getting these powers, and now he's getting attention from people that maybe he doesn't want attention from. And I loved it because... I, so the, the little kid actor who plays Dion... Uh, he actually feels like a kid. I hate when, I don't want to say I hate, but it's not as good like when you're watching a show or a movie and there's a seven-year-old being played by a 14-year-old. Yeah. It, it doesn't, like their their kid cuteness isn't there, if you will. And it's also that fact that even just things like, I mean, when you're younger, when a kid's younger, they're still learning speech. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that, even just the way they speak. Mm-hmm. And it might be something along the lines of, you know, like not being able to say certain words correctly or letters or phrases or things like that. I'm trying to think of the word in English. It, it's There's a certain charm. To mm-hmm. a little kid saying certain things, especially when a kid's in the situation, not that a kid would be in the situation in real life, but he's <laughs> going through some heavy stuff. He lost his dad. He doesn't know what's going on. These All these different changes are happening. All these people, like people he thought he could trust, he can't trust. He's meeting these new people that may not be as nice, but they're helping him kind of a situation. And he's learning, you know, loss and trying to gain perspective on his powers. Uh, the actor is named Josiah Young. I will definitely be checking out the second season. It's coming out February 1st or 2nd, I believe. And the trailer is already out there, so you can check it out 
But if you haven't seen it, I do recommend checking out the first season. It was really good. It's cute. Um, and it touches on some like pretty real stuff. So nice, awesome. I mean, just the 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 coming back to it. You'd already talked about it before. Good to bring it back up. Yeah, and it was a very diverse cast, which I really loved. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.